What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. Streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. That's where uh, Nico goes streaking down the aisles of a Target naked. We got uh, security cam footage. We're excited to post that. Uh, I am Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I mean, listen, you, you do love a good Target run. I see what you did there. Very cute. <laughs> oh, I'm totes adorbs, okay? All right? Totes adorbs. Um, I saw something on Twitter. I saw two things on Twitter that, that I now have to discuss. One of them made me laugh um, out loud very hard. Um, it's a picture, and this guy is just holding this giant gummy version of a vitamin bottle. Mm-hmm. And he said, my gummy vitamins melted under the sun, so now they're shaped like this. So now I'm just going to take a bite of this every day because I can't let these go to waste. <laughs> It's amazing. I love it. I loved it. I was like, yeah, that's probably what I would do. I could do that. I like that. Um, but yeah, I literally laughed out loud at that. And and then while I was enjoying my laugh out loud moment, I um I, I had like a holy crap moment. I saw something that looked so delicious that I may have to leave the country. Ooh, that's not words you use often. Right. Um, apparently, there's a soft chew center Twix brand cookie. What? Yeah, but the problem is center on the box was spelled foreign, you know, C-N-T-R-E instead of E-R. Uh-huh. So now I've got to go to Canada and to Europe to find these. No way. But they looked, the pictures looked so good. Immaculate. You know how, like, when the cookie is chewy and, like, the caramel and the chocolate are a little stringy, like, oh, it's recently melty and now it's in your mouth. It's not quite liquid. It's definitely not hard, though. Like, that is delicious. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's the only chips, so I actually only prefer chips only chewy. It's the only ones I like. Yeah, bro, if they're not chewy, they're not chips ahoy. You know what I'm saying? Them Please. chips ahoy. <laughs> 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 uh, that's right, it's 2 o'clock and it's dad joke hour. Stay tuned as we uh, call you dinner. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyway, uh, yeah, it looked delicious, though. So those are two moments that I've had that I really enjoyed. I thought I'd share with you guys. Um, there's a lot going on in the world. It's Thursday, though. And on Thursday, we usually talk a little bit about sports. Um, this is the this is officially the day we can do this. I've been waiting with bated breath. Um the Suns have won game five or game one. I'm sorry, game five. I don't know where that will. The Suns have won game one of the NBA finals. They uh, beat the Milwaukee Bucks by about 13. Um, they were in control the whole game. There's a little bit of injury news. The backup center, Sarek, 
who really is more like a I really think he's probably more of a small forward. He's like a shooting forward. Uh, but he's tall. He's a 6'10 guy. Anyway, he, he tore ACL, so he's done. So now they don't have a backup center on the entire Suns roster. Um, but uh, this, what, we, what, what I've been waiting to do is to celebrate the greatness that is Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul is one of my favorite players, one of my all-time favorite players. Um, he, I've had to always defend him for some reason to my friends who also love basketball. They kind of always, they're always looking at other guys or other point guards and saying that they're better than Chris Paul. Like somehow Chris Paul doesn't get the love that he really should. Now he's not a score first point guard. So there, there are some point guards that probably get a little bit more attention paid their way. Um, Steph Curry, things like that. Even Kyrie Irving, but Chris Paul is the first of all. The guy's like six foot five ten, um, and it, in the NBA, it's it's even more noticeable how small he is. But he's stout, he's athletic, and he's had an amazing career. He's earned probably oh, it's probably two hundred and fifty million dollars if he gets this hundred million dollar contract. Everyone's saying he's probably about to get. Um. He's probably already earned like two twenty or something like that, just in NBA pay. So another hundred million would put him in the three hundred million range. Um, it's a lot of money. He is though. He's one of my favorite players, and his his career has been super interesting. I was really excited when he was with the Rockets for that year. And then he, he he pulls the hamstring. They sign him to the extension. I think he played with us two years. And then the second year we and then we moved we traded him for Russell Westbrook. That was a little heartbreaking for me. I didn't really want Russell Westbrook. I, I, I love Chris Paul. I did start to think Chris Paul is a little too old, but I'm so happy for him right now. I, I think this is a great opportunity for him. This is his first finals appearance. Uh, this is a team that he's basically put together not put together. This is a team that he really has grown. Robert Ayers, the starting center for the Suns, was doing an interview. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about how his game has really moved to the next level. And they were like, it, it, they were like, it's really obvious now that you know what you're doing out there. You know where you're supposed to be. You understand your role in both the offense and the defense. And they asked specifically, said, when did that happen for you? When did all that kind of come together? And he said, it started to come together in the bubble a little bit last year, but it really came together this year because when they got Chris Paul, Chris Paul would come to him before the game and tell him things about his opponent like tendencies and like where they want to go with the ball moves. They try to use what sides they like to rebound from things like that. And suddenly Robert Ayers was just better. Yeah. That's, well, that's leadership. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to be. It's not, it's not even telling him like, Oh, you need to improve here. It's this is what they're going to do. So you can play to your strengths into them. <laughs> exactly. This gives like, it, there, there have been guys – one thing that the NBA lacks, and I don't know if this is an image problem or just how true this is, because I don't hear a lot from the people that I do know who know things about the NBA. I don't hear a lot about them talking about, like, studying film, studying game film. There's something about the NBA. There's a lot of improv to it. There's a lot of just sort of 
like big moments, you know, like, oh, it's just a big shot and he's going to take it. Like, it doesn't matter what the play, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are certain players who pay attention to scouting reports, go out there and they just make it easier for everybody around them. Um, somebody, somebody was talking about how they used to play with Tyson Chandler and they would notice that Tyson Chandler was calling when Tyson Chandler, he noticed when he was playing with Tyson Chandler and they were running up the court on offense, every single, every single play, he was calling out the rotations of the defense before they did them. And he noticed that he was correct. And it was because Tyson Chandler would sit down and watch the film to see like favorable matchups for pick and rolls and stuff. Um, There's a lot that goes on in basketball as far as like positioning and things of that nature. And so Tyson Chandler would, try to be on the side of the court with the defender that he wanted to switch against. And uh, it doesn't happen enough. There are certain guys, but they always get a lot of credit for it, which makes me think there aren't a lot of guys that do it that just well, put in the extra time. I think it, I think it also has to do just to how fast-paced basketball can be. Well, and you play 82 games. I mean, right, so yeah. like, how deep into scouting can you get, I, I suppose, is possibly a good question. But, like... LeBron James a long time ago talked very fondly and very kindly about Shane Battier, that he was a big stat guy. That, that was something he was known for was like he he would know uh, like shooting percentages based on what hand you drive with and things of that nature. And but he was known as a defense and three guy. And so he would use that information to his advantage. He would try and force you to your weak side. Mm. Yeah, that's kind uh, of crazy. You don't really hear about that much. Right, you don't hear a lot about it. And so I, that to me is sort of – it makes me think that maybe more people don't do it or enough people don't do it, that it, it, that it's amazing when people do. Um, but Chris Paul, when he came to the Suns, you know, he kind of set all these guys down and basically, you know, I, I haven't heard anybody complain about it, so it must have been in a good way. But he definitely was like, hey, like this is what you can do to be better. In a lot of ways, the, he is the reason they're not the worst franchise in the NBA anymore. Uh, saved by one man. <laughs> uh, listen, sometimes it's, especially in basketball, more so than other sports, sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, you know, you, oh. you say that is very true. <laughs> Although in Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and all of a sudden they're, they're going to win a Super Bowl. Again, that team was already okay considering that they had a quarterback that literally half the time couldn't see right never never gonna drop that never gonna drop the fact that he 50 50 and he was basically blind on the field yeah i am i'm forever curious about what kind of decision making went into that um especially when the news broke that he practiced with uh, prescription goggles that he wouldn't wear in game that was the bigger thing to me um he wears them, but he does. He thinks they look lame, so he doesn't wear them on the field. <laughs> I, I genuinely think that, that had everything to do with it. He he thought they would look silly on camera, and didn't want to get made fun of, or just felt didn't feel secure enough in himself to wear them. Um, but he's going to be the starting quarterback more than likely for for the Saints. So this this will be the redemption tour or the end of the road tour. One of the two for him. We're talking about Jameis Winston, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay let him go in order to bring in Tom Brady. And Tom Brady immediately puts them uh, into winning the Super Bowl. 
Uh, by the way, Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Back-to-back oh, Stanley Cup champions. And now there's a Super Bowl champion there. Tampa Bay is now the center of the sports world. Right, yeah. They're basically champions of the universe at this point. I mean, they're winning the sports game in the multi-sport market towns. That's for sure. We got to come up with a better name for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as I was saying, and I realized I, I have no way to fix that. Like, <laughs> multi-sport city tournament. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Although the Astros are on are on pace to have a great year. Um. The owner just came out and said that he's willing to spin into the luxury tax, and they have been winning a lot. They had, I think, a, a I believe, in a twelve game win streak. Now they did lose four of the next five, but I mean, it's it literally doesn't matter. It's baseball. It's... Yeah, the well, the wins matter. I mean, listen, you, you're gonna there's 162 games. You're gonna play 81 of them, but if you win 12 in a row, that you know that that's a good number. No, yeah, 12, 12 is a good number. But, I mean, like, it's like, oh, you lose the yeah, but you lost the next four. It's like, yeah, but there's, like, 900 baseball games. Like, Yeah. Yeah, going going one out of the – going one and four over five probably. But if you really – if you're like, oh, but we went 13 and four over 17. Like, yeah, I mean, if you spread it out, it's, it's, it's still okay. Yeah, we're still fine. I mean, this is why I hate baseball. It's literally, like, law of, law of large numbers, the sport. Right, right. Man, I read a fascinating stat about, okay, not to get on this topic, but just it was about uh, uh, officer-involved shootings. Mm-hmm. The number is basically, and I don't know the last couple of years with all the turmoil and everything. It might be different now. But a couple of years ago, I was reading an article where the number was roughly the same over like a 10-year span. It was like 13,000 incidents or whatever it was. And every year, it was in the same similar ballpark. It wasn't a number that was increasing or decreasing. It wasn't like one year 10 and one year 20 and the next year six. Like it was always roughly the same number. And in the article, they were talking about data and all this other different stuff about like police violence. And when they, when they got onto that topic of why the number was always the same, essentially it's the law of large numbers dictates that this is just how many times it's going to happen every year. I mean, unsurprising, honestly. <laughs> uh, it was such a crazy thing, though, like, to read, where you're just, like, based on how many people there are, based on how many police there are, the law of large numbers basically says you're going to have this outcome estimate roughly. Pretty much this, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, roughly you're going to hit this number of, a number of times. Now, I'm not trying to apply that to any sort of side or any of the politics of it. I don't even want to get into that right now. But it was just the fact that the number exists and that the law, the law of large numbers, basically says that when you have X amount of encounters and blah blah blah, you're gonna have this percentage is gonna end up in this result. And I was like, man, that's crazy. That just and the number was pretty similar every year in the little chart. It was just like, man, how does that like? Well, I mean, the law of large numbers really, really comes in even, even in really abstract concepts. Right. Like it was, it, mathematically, it was a really weird thing to think about that it's like, this is just the percentage of encounters that are going to go this way. And it's like, holy crap. Like, I mean, I guess that makes sense sort of in a math way. Like, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the fact that it happened every year the same way. 
even if police encounters were up or down or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was just odd. But it, yeah. it didn't apply. But in baseball, is really the only sport that it applies to. Like, in football, you can have a weird down year. Kurt Warner had, like, two years in a row where he sucked. And people were like, is Kurt Warner done? Then he winds up in Arizona. He takes them to a Super Bowl. Like, he resurrects his career there. Um, well, yeah. But, like, if you take, like, every, every uh, NFL franchise and, like, you zoomed out, like, you know, the no, entirety right. of but their they're... existence, like their their win rate would probably more or less come to the same place. Uh, no, there's probably some franchises that are just no, no. There's definitely going to be some that are way higher than others. Like obviously, yeah. like there's going to be outliers. The uh, stuff like the Browns, where they literally didn't win for like a decade. Yeah, and then like well, um, I... New England, who won for like a decade. <laughs> right. No, there are definitely going to be. Yeah, you're right. There's gonna be outliers and stuff. And when you, that's the thing. What I mean though is like, so football, there's not enough games in a single player's career to do like a law of large numbers kind of study of that, right? Like you can't zoom out enough on a player, but right. you can zoom no, out enough you on have a franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in baseball, so many at bats, so many encounters, so many games, so many. You can really do a law of large numbers on on a player in baseball. Right. Well, I mean, if you play, you know, some baseball players play for. 10, 20, 15 years, and you're playing, you know, 300 games a year, you got, yeah. you got, you got quite the games under your belt by the time you, you retire. And you definitely have a lot of data. Right. So you can actually look and be like, all right, was this player actually good or not? Or right. did they just have a hype year? Let's see. This guy had 482 at bats this year. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I know you can really get into some numbers. It is weird to think about, though, that, like, They'll have <laughs> forty thousand at bats if they play ten years. Like, right? Yeah, like, it is. It's crazy. Really dumb. <laughs> it's a big number, man. Um, it is also we missed it. We missed it. Um, July first is one of two important holidays in the Bobby Bonilla household. Um. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, Bobby Bonilla, uh, former Met and I think Padre or Philly, one of the two. Uh, anyway, he hasn't played baseball since 1999, I believe. And he received a check on July 1st of one for $1.19 million from the Mets. All right. Okay. He also, uh, a little bit earlier in the year, around March, also receives a payment from the Mets as well, but that's from a dual agreement with the Phillies or the Pod, whoever it is, and the Mets for half a million dollars. So this guy is getting $1.6-ish million uh, every year from baseball, and it's through, I think, 2040? It's going to be for a while longer. It's not ending anytime soon for either one. And it's because he deferred a payment of $5 million once with the Mets and then a payment between the Mets and the Phillies. Uh, it was a deferment of, of something like $3 million. He now has infinite money. He now gets, I think it's for like 20 years, he gets $1.19 million because he deferred it for X amount of time while it accrued interest. 
And now it's still accruing interest, but he also gets paid out on it. Man, I love baseball contracts and how they literally probably like, like obviously they're good, but I mean like for these franchises, probably like the single worst things ever. The Mets one, the Bobby Bonilla one, has a really funny pop culture component to it. So they came to him, and they didn't. They owed him five million dollars, but he was done. He was. They, they were going to send him to the minors, and they basically said, "We don't, we don't really want to pay you this five million right now. We want to give it to another guy on a contract that we want to sign. Uh, can we pay it on you later? Because." We're currently internally they had discussions that they were gonna be cash rich um in about ten years time because they were two thirds of the way through a fund cycle with Bernie Madoff. Oh no. So they were expecting to get a Bernie Madoff's firm had never not delivered on a payday for any of his clients ever. Uh, they were expecting to be cash heavy. Internally, they'd even already had the discussions that they weren't going to reinvest the money, which nobody knew. Uh, it became irrelevant because uh, it, Bernie Madoff got busted before the 20-year whatever it was was done, and they were going to be able to get their money out. Um, <laughs> but they were expecting to be cash heavy and they were like listen it'll be better for us to pay you later than to pay you now and so he said okay but uh i get my couple points of interest uh i'll defer it for the five years or whatever and then starting then i get a payment from the trust of something it's you know it works out math wise but it winds up being 1.19 million dollars a year for 20 years Mm -hmm. Five million dollars. Well, like, imagine saying, "Hey, uh, you can deny eight million now, and then get one point nine million for the next twenty years." Yeah, it's <sighs> like, what kind of math is that? <laughs> I will accept your math. One point one nine, to be fair, but that's still, I mean. It still triples their eight million. Like, (laughs) yeah, you're still, yeah, you're still way, way, way up. Well, but here's and now it's now it's consistent. Now it's not all at once, right? Well, here's what happens though with sports, which is always interesting to me. Allen Iverson had this problem. He was making so much money at one point in his career that when Adidas all uh, wanted to make him a lifetime member of like the Adidas team. They had to offer him, it was something like a $120 million contract or something. And the agent was like, hey, I think you should take half of this and just put it away as a, put it in a trust that you can, that you'll get in like 50 years or something, or when you turn 50 or something like that. And it was simply the agent just like, there's so much money on the table that like, you don't need the money now, kind of a thing. Now, in Alan Iverson's case, he's essentially blown every dollar he's got and now that 50 million dollars coming is gonna like change his life again hopefully for permanent but i mean it's an insane idea that that literally when they're gonna give him a hundred million dollars they're gonna give you so much money that you can take half of it and put it in a fund and never look at it again 
Right. Because you're so rich. They were talking about how Allen Iverson used to have bat trash bags full of cash. And then he would lose them. And there was definitely one time when he had no idea how many bags of cash he had in the house. Because they thought somebody left with one. And then they got into arguments about how many bags of cash were even in the house. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about that story. Because like, first of all, it's like, oh man, someone stole from me. And he's like, somebody stole from me? That's ridiculous. Let's get him. And then he's like, wait, maybe they didn't. I don't, I, uh, I can't tell. He's like, he's like. He's like, dang, there's only 42 bags of cash. Didn't you say there was 43? And then the other one's like, I think I said 42. I don't remember now, though. He's like, you know, it actually might be 41. One of those just might actually be trash. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to make sure we don't put the, the money bags out with the trash guy again. Like, <laughs> it's insane the way he lived his life, though, at that point. Like, he was, he was kind of everywhere. He was making a killing, though. But I mean, yeah, the idea that you could just put it away and then get 1.19 million for the next 20 years. And again, yeah. he's, get, he's got another half a million one from a different contract with them. Uh, and so it's literally, it's, it's 1.519 million dollars a year that he's getting. From yeah, the- like, oh man, what a, what a, what a sad life I live. <laughs> But we did miss that, so I didn't want to mention it. It was July first is when the Mets pay him his one point one nine his annual payment of one point one nine million. And the Mets now know like the world like it's been a news story for the last like five or six years and people have laughed about it. Uh, the Mets are now in on it. They on their Twitter account, uh, June thirtieth, they were like big announcement tomorrow and they posted a picture of Bobby Bonilla. Um, That's very funny. July first they announced that they were making their annual payment to him. Hey guys, look at us. We're dumb. <laughs> hey guys, look at us. We made a terrible deal 20 years ago and it's never going away. And it's not going away for the next 20 years. <laughs> it's like uh, interest is a crazy thing, man. There's really no well, other I mean, way. like that's that's what they tell you. It's the it's the classic. Would you rather have a million dollars today or a penny that doubles every 30 days? No, a penny that doubles a day for 30 days. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Whatever. What did I, what did I say? Am I getting an aneurysm? You said a penny that doubles every 30 days. Oh. Which, I mean, eventually it would, it would be, but it would it would take like four years. I mean, yeah, but at that point, it would just take the million because that's opportunity cost. Right. Because that million dollars, I could blow it immediately instead of waiting four years to blow it. Precisely, no, but yeah, that's the doubling you were talking about, right? Yeah, obviously, (laughs) the opportunity to grow to go broke faster. I need to be able to not be able to see. (laughs) I gotta be honest, someone ever hands me a million dollars in cash, it's gone. I don't even know if I have to leave the room like before it's all gone on accident. Where'd your money go? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I. I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. Someone would need to 
lie to me and be like, hey, you want a million dollars, but really I want two, that would be the only way I would have any money left like an hour later. Yeah, like it was uh, it was like a lottery ticket, and then like you had all the right numbers, except the last one was like a three instead of a four. Yeah, something like that. I, I, uh, there was a news story that just came out. Um, the last big lottery was, I guess it was like 540 or 550 million, and some people in Pennsylvania won it. And it's five of them that are sharing the winning ticket. And they just came forward and cashed it and put it into a trust that the five of them can access. After taxes and everything, it's $245 million. Wild. Can you imagine, like, you two are suddenly worth $48 million? I mean, like, the lottery has always just been, like, the weirdest thing because it, it goes one of two ways. Either people's lives are changed forever or they're broke within the year. I mean, yeah. I just think it's crazy. I just think it, And I love those broke stories. I mean, they all have one fun theme, which is drugs. I mean, don't do drug kids, but it's... It's always really funny to hear, like, they're like, their lives spiraled out of control. It's never like they bought 200 Beanie Babies, right? Like, it's always like, they began yeah. partying with drugs. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's where all their money went. <laughs> it's like the guy in the news story where the lady interviews him. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do if you won? And he's, and he's like, uh, prostitutes and drug abuse. Like, and it's like, oh. Oh, and then immediately you can tell he's like, "Oh no, I was joking." Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> but he said it with such confidence that they were like, "They're like, okay, thank you." And they're like moving away, and then you can see he was like, "Wait." <laughs> Honestly, I would have left it there. Like, I mean, I don't need to correct it. It's cool. Well, he didn't. They didn't give him the chance to. They really, they walked away from him. They, they <laughs> wanted no more questions from him. They're like, "Uh, this guy is too honest." <laughs> They were like, dang, this guy this guy was real. <laughs> but look, I mean, listen, not to say people should do, they should not. And not to say people should use prostitutes, they should not. I mean, I guess if they want to. It's a victimless crime if it's done correctly, I guess, I suppose. I mean, sex right. trafficking is bad, but what? Do, do it legally. Go to Nevada. There you go. But like, <laughs> my real thing is, like, the reason people want to win the lottery is to be rich to have access to those kinds of things anyway. Like, is it really such a stretch that someone who wins lottery does them? Right, yeah. The thing is that if you're, if usually the rich people still have money after they do it. That's true. That's true. Either self-control or through some mechanisms of banking, they can't just blow it all at once. Right. That's really the weird thing about the lottery, right? It's not that these people go broke. It's that they just hand you this check and they're just like, okay, whatever happens, happens. There's no safety behind it. Well, I mean, like, well, they can't tell you what to do with your money. <laughs> no, it's not like and, and it's they, not like they hand you. It's not like they hand you a check and they're like, "You, you won two hundred forty million dollars." Don't worry, we're only going to give you a million of it, and you have two hundred and fifty years of this. I got to be honest. If I won the lottery and they let me choose, I would probably do the payments. Yeah, because then you're like, well, then I can just do whatever I want as long as I, I budget myself. I just got an Excel spreadsheet my life now. No, no, like, because you can choose the cash payout or the annuity payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, if I could choose, you have to choose before you buy, I think. And normally every gas station just runs up cash payments. Personally, I would probably opt for annuity payments. Uh 
Just because it meant if you did screw up, like, you're not, like, if you had, like, a weird year and you did everything wrong, it's not over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like let's say you won a $400 million lottery. And so you get 25 annual payments. And they, and they, they do, like, NFL salary where, like, the biggest check comes at the last year. So let's say your first year, it's only, like, a $3 million check. Okay, you can probably accidentally blow that. Like, life lessons, you learn some stuff. At the end of the year, you're looking around and you're like, oh, my God, did I really spend $3 million? But it's like, it's okay. Next year, you're getting a check for 3.8. Like, great. Now I'll have $800,000 to spend. <laughs> great, because I'm going to blow this other $3 million too. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's possible. All things are possible. I love those memes where it's like, are you it suggest something terrible? And then it's like, first of all, through all things, Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ, all things are possible. <laughs> it's the only way you can be saved from every crime. Jesus and football. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. I watched a movie the other day. And we'll probably talk about it on the other side of this. But I, I sat down and I watched Tomorrow War. Starring Chris Pratt on Amazon. Oh, okay, I was like, I was like, the what? <laughs> Tomorrow War. You don't know about the Tomorrow War? I've seen trailers, but I have not seen the movie. No, uh, I've got thoughts. Uh, yeah, we'll do this. We're gonna, we'll jump out to a break here, and then when we come back, we got more nerds like radio, and we'll uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about my feelings about the Tomorrow War. The feelings. We'll be right back with more Nerd Thug Radio. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. Just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, the Adventure Begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventures League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. This is Rudy Townjanovitz, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Back to more Nerd Thug Radio right here on this Thursday edition of Nerd Thug Radio on 104.5, 106.1, sister station, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Um, all right, little brother, before we get into my feelings about the Tomorrow War, Go ahead and tell everybody about The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open and at full operating hours. You don't need a mask if you want to come inside, but if you want to wear one, feel free to. Um, if you, They also do have delivery and curbside options available. They do have some events rolling back up tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, that is July 8th. Uh, is the weekly modern meetups for Magic the Gathering. Friday, July 9th at 6 p.m. is Star Wars X-Wing casual meetup. All levels and ages are welcome. Saturday, July 10th at 2 p.m. is the Pokemon meetup. 
At 6 p.m. is Hammer Time. I use Warhammer and Tabletop Warhammer. And Saturday, July 10th at 6 p.m. is even more Magic Time. This is the Commander Meetups. They got Magic two times this week. Modern on Thursday and uh, Commander on Saturday. All right there at the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. A fantastic store, wonderful staff. All your nerd needs can be found there. Your board games, your card games, your comic books, your manga. All right there at the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Woo! Yeah! yeah. Woo! Show me your nerd! Yeah! Woo! Yeah, I do love the Adventure Begins, though. Um, you know what's funny? I was just thinking about this. Uh, so obviously we have the new show up late with NerdClick Radio, mm-hmm. and one of our great sponsors on that is is Titan Comics. And uh, I'm gonna man, I, I gotta get this guy to make a recording of it. The guy who the owner is the owner is a guy named Jeremy, and when he answers the phone, he always answers it, Titan Comics. And like, I really want to try and get Bill to do that for the adventure begins, but it's really funny. I was wondering why you were saying it specifically, like, in the ad reads, because <laughs> you say it, it like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I do, because I told him, I was like, I was like, Jeremy, I'm probably going to try and at some point record you doing it. He goes, oh, okay, yeah, we can figure it out. Like, he really, like, it's really catchy the way he does it. I, I like, I enjoy it. I always like when somebody does something unique on the phone. Yeah, I was going to go over a small bit I do with my friend every time, but it's it's not that interesting. It's just very funny to me. So I'm just not going to talk about it. <laughs> Thanks for your self-restraint and almost completely sparing us from it. But uh, good energy. Good effort. I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, so I watched the other night Tomorrow War. Chris Pratt's Amazon blockbuster super hit. Um, it's weird. Oh, do you not like it? Uh, I mean, listen, it's action adventure. Like, I mean, it is what it is. Like, okay, neat. Um, pop, it's popcorn, and and in that capacity, it's not bad. Um, but it feels a little rushed, and then beyond that, there's just some weird elements to it. Um. In the very beginning of it, Chris Pratt's trying – he's a biology teacher, I guess, like at a high school, and he's trying to get a, at a job at like a research lab. And he's doing the phone interview, and he gets passed over for it while he's on the phone. Mm-hmm. So then he sits down with his wife and his kid, and they're watching a soccer match, and then the time travelers show up, and the movie immediately kind of starts. Uh, and so you're immediately like into it. Um, and actually, in the very, very beginning, it shows – fall like teleporting into reality and falling into a swimming pool and then they go back and do this part so like you're already kind of like oh jarred oh something's happening mm-hmm. uh, essentially once the time travelers come there's like a little mini voiceover with Chris Pratt they jump forward like a couple years there's drafts going on blah 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 so this is what doesn't make sense to me they're sending people from the past into the future you know how I feel about time travel anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the people aren't coming back because they're getting murdered. They're, like, it's so vicious. And then humanity is on the verge of extinction in the future. Um, my, my biggest issue 
is it makes no sense to send people into the future to fight a war. Yeah. Right, like just just even taking a half second to think about it, like they could probably do a lot more in the past to prevent this from happening than they can in the future. Right, yeah. Usually it's about people in the future going back to prevent the future from ever happening. Right. In this case, it's about them going into the <laughs> into the future to fight a ground war against some alien race. Like what? <laughs> like where did Why we... would you take your past? All right. Aliens, super advanced tech. We're going to take our even older tech. That's like if we sent, like, that's like if we fought the Revolutionary War by sending soldiers from 1776 to now. <laughs> you know how worthless that would be? Well, and to be fair, these aren't, these aren't like technologically advanced aliens. These are like wild beast aliens. Okay, but even still, it's they're still, still alien. It's, it's still, still dumb. Um,. And the entire third act is even weirder, okay? Um, so, I'm thinking of, I don't know if I could do this without at least kind of... Uh, uh, he doesn't... The whole movie isn't just in the future. At some point, in the movie, his tour of duty in the future ends and he comes back home, okay? He goes back to the past? So he returns home, yeah. The tour of duty is only supposed to be for a week. But right now, only, like, when they send everyone in, only, like, 20% of people come back. That's how brutal the future war is. Um, <laughs> so he comes back to the past, and somehow him and his wife, who was just a normal person, they're the ones who figure out the secret to defeating the aliens. Of course they do. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Um, it, just honestly, honestly. Okay, all right. So the big, I was, you know what? I, I'm, I mean, I'm crushing this movie anyway. You're either gonna watch it, or you're not gonna watch it. Uh, and if you're watching it, you're not watching it because it's smart. So when he's in the future, he he runs into his daughter, and his daughter is his commanding officer, and she's like a super scientist. Um, and. Together, the two of them find a poison that kills the female alien things, and so they're ready to they're ready to use it. And blah blah blah. Except when they go, when once it it takes them so long to figure out which which poison will work, that it's time for him to blast back to the past. So he gets so she gives them the poison to take back with him, so they can make more of it. Mm-hmm. But the other problem is. They examine the satellite records from from the year when the aliens show up, and they can't find any proof that the aliens crash landing. And so when Chris Pratt comes back, uh, the time machine is broken. No one's ever going to go back and forth again. Now there's nothing he can do to help his daughter save the world, blah, blah, blah. He's really upset about it. He's dealing with PTSD because he's failing. So he's at home, and he's telling his wife what happened. And she's like, oh, well, it must mean that they came before this year then if it wasn't that year. And he's like, oh, man, that's so smart. But no one else ever thought that? Like, what are we? Yeah, like, we don't know specifically the day. It's like, well, they laid dormant for 10 years or something. Like, no one was right. like, oh, man, let me pull it up on my 
obvious something happened today. It's so annoying. And then earlier when he's teaching his classes, he's he's teaching high school kids. And at one point they make a comment and there's one kid who's obsessed with volcanoes. Obviously that means when they fast forward now when they come back and they're trying to figure out where the aliens when the aliens actually did land, they need volcano kids' knowledge. Like right, yeah. it's such an obvious plot device, but it's just Look, I'm not typically like complain about everything guy, but it was so obvious in the beginning that they were going back to this kid. Yeah, it's the what was the what was the literary device called? Something's gun, Krenkov's gun, or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the person's name, but essentially, nothing that happens in the final act couldn't have already been explained, or like it has to already exist in the. No, yeah. So if if you bring up something, then it has to come up eventually. It's like if there's a gun. If there's a gun on the mantle, it has to go off by the end of the story, or else it was completely irrelevant. Right, exactly. So well, Volcano it, Kid it, was important because he was Volcano Kid. Right. Well, and, and so like when they, when you get into writing and stuff, the the rule the rule is the rule makes more sense in reverse, which is anything that happens in the finale has to have been laid out earlier in the book. Right, or, so, else or, or else it's just BS and not good. <laughs> Right. Otherwise, it's considered Deus Ex Machina, like the you you created God at the end or whatever. So you have to always lay these things out. So yeah, in the in the early half of the movie, when this kid won't stop talking about volcanoes and they make fun of him for it, obviously you're gonna need volcano kid. The aliens were in a volcano. Um, they had volcanic ash in their claws. But it wasn't from the region they were from. And so they were like, those two pieces of data are enough to tell them exactly where they were and when they land. But they needed Volcano Kid to to be able to explain how that could be possible. Makes sense. But it was... It was very obnoxious to watch, though. And honestly, like, I just... I don't know, man. It was it was not a great movie. There's a lot of dumb elements to it too, like when Chris Pratt is in, if it, obviously he goes to the future, so obviously he he gets his number gets called in the future draft stuff. When they when they sit him down in the room and they kind of go over everything, they have all of his paperwork from the future. So this completely implies. That like even though we're on the verge of losing a war and becoming extinct, we have access to like the old DPS files from the future because one of the things they say is they only send people to the future who have already died in the past, so that they don't exist in the future. So they don't exist twice in the future. Right. So they're like, oh, perfect. You were you. They find a death certificate in his paperwork file. They're like, oh, okay, great. You you die in, in eight years, so you're perfect. And he's like, uh, what? But like, I don't understand. We're about to be yeah. extinct, and, you're, and you took the time to send all the paperwork for all of the world back? Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. Like, how far to the future are we going, guys? Uh, and they're only going like it's like forty years in the future or something like that. 
whatever. It's definitely interesting. There's some interesting points to it. And the action is good. But there's some real dumb stuff to it. I mean, look, it was never it was never going to be perfect. No, but the idea of sending troops from the past to the future to fight a war makes no sense. Also, they don't even train them. They're literally just sending them there in waves to die. I they, mean, look, if you if you're only coming if, you, if you're only getting a 20% return rate, there's a reason for that, all right? <laughs> but you might think you want to start training people then, especially cuz it's time travel and it's so apparently it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, but, it's like it's like the it's like the Imperial Guard from from Warhammer, like, except they do train them. Like they're not like like they're not just like on just not just randoms with guns. <laughs> they're trained. Boot camp is seven days, and then they send you to the future. That's terrible. And these are like regular people, like Chris Pratt's former Special Forces, of course, but the two people next to him are totally. Yeah. Right, but he's also a, a biology teacher. Right. Former Special Forces, now a biology teacher. In high school. Look, I mean, like, congratulations on the change of career paths. You know, it's hard for veterans out there. <laughs> it definitely is. But it's, uh... There's one character I really enjoy. There was, a, like, when they get there for the boot camp thing, there's, like, four characters who are totally... They're super calm. They're already like they're loading their gear up and they're taking. They they all have like claw necklaces, and souvenirs, and blah blah blah. This is their fourth tour together. Like they're prepared. They're ready to rock and roll. They die in the first ten minutes of the movie. Uh, a couple of them do get killed um, in the first mission, but it, it's also like it's also kind of Chris Pratt's fault a little bit. Um, it's, it's a really it's like. There are cool things about it, I guess I, sh- I should be fair to say. However, it uh, <laughs> it definitely is a like it definitely is dumb in its concept. That's fair. <laughs> um, man, this episode's flown by. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say this. I do want to mention this. Fox News is making hay right now, and they're really kind of taking me off about this. Uh, the new issue of Captain America has been previewed and in it, there's a quote where Captain America talks about the American dream and how the dream is dead if you don't share it and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're literally just looking at the words the American dream is dead and they don't even care about the rest of the quote. And they're now they're complaining that Captain America is woke and that Marvel is bringing politics into the, into the Captain America character. That's literally the whole point, guys. It's like they don't. Well, and they don't know. None of them are. None of them are nerds. None of them know the character. Uh, they're just gonna take it as a baseline. His, he's called Captain America, so he should just. When did it become American to not care what America does? Right. Yeah. That's really a question that I, I'm genuinely like have for kind of like modern society or these people who take this position where if you don't like it here. Just leave. And it's like, well, no, this is a problem that I see in the country that I love and I would like to have it fixed. Right. And I think I think that comes from, I think that's the big divide is that some people are like, if you don't like it, leave. Or some people are like, well, I want to see the change. And yeah. some people are just like, well, I don't care, so I'm just going to burn it down. Those are like, those are your big positions there. And 
Well, it reminds me of the, you know, recently they had that major who was testifying before Congress and he he basically makes Matt Gates look like an idiot because he says that, like, I've read Mao Zedong. It doesn't make me a communist. Of course, I want to read critical race theory. Like, this is what my men believe and look into so that it's worth knowing as a leader. Like, right. Yeah. Whether it has merit or not is up to me to decide. <laughs> right. But I definitely should read it because I'm a leader of men. Like, I mean, is it ever, shouldn't it always just be that simple? No. I mean, I guess not. And it really just kind of blows my mind. But anyway, they got guys like Dean Kane complaining about Captain America. They had some other comedian type dude, but I've never heard of him before in my life. And he was going to, he was bad mouthing Captain America. Let me make it really clear Captain America is about the values and ideas of America. He's not specifically going to agree blindly with America. As a matter of fact, there's a whole period in his history when someone else was Captain America and he was called the captain and he wasn't allowed to even wear the stars and stripes because he disagreed with the American politics. Yeah. So clearly uh, this character is very inextricably tied to political themes. Also comic books have always been political. Literally it's a whole point of the X-Men, but you know, whatever. Right. It's, it blows my mind to see something as stupid as this, like, con- and it's for people who don't know what they're talking about. That's the thing that makes me laugh even harder. Right. Don't know what they're talking about. Um, all right, well, that kind of looks like we're out of time here. Um, all that being said, I want to thank little brother Nico and myself for hanging out here today. I want to thank me about that. Um, and, of course, I want to thank The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Um uh, same nerd thug time, same nerd thug channel, guys. And as always, make sure to stay safe, stay clean. A couple of states have started to reach herd immunity, which means it is possible if enough of us get vaccinated. Uh, tune in tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Nerd Thug Radio when I tell you guys about my experience with Lucky Charms oatmeal. Yeah, it's a real thing. They now are making cereal-branded oatmeal, and I bought some, and I tried it. All right, fair enough. All right, we'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Nerd Thug Radio. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. Just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, the adventure begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventurers League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio.